0: You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey all, welcome back to Cards to the Moon, a Five Card Guys production and this is episode 18. My name is Clark, and I'm here as always with Hyung and John. So right off the top, Hyung, you sent us that video where one breaker was opening a pack of, I believe it was Bowman Chrome HTA, where there should be three Bowman Chrome first autograph cards, and in that pack, the guy who was breaking it or the guy who was ripping it got the two first prospect autos, but the last one I believe was some
1: random football optic card. It, was, it was an optic hollow <laughs> yeah that was optic hollow. Right. yeah i think it was uh uh mikey b cards and card porn. porn yeah card porn kind of shared it and right. yeah I don't, I don't know i felt bad because what would you do in that situation as a breaker because <laughs> because people are like pointing the finger at you like yo what did he just do yeah, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> like this is funny but yeah i don't I, well, yeah what, sorry go on
0: well no i was just gonna ask what do you think happened there like
1: well, I, I was looking into it a bit, and I was just mm-hmm. like, "This is wild! Like, what really happened? Like, who's that blame here?" And a yeah. lot of people are saying that Panini and Tops actually share uh, the same packaging yeah, facility, I read that too. right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. So, I, I it could be a genuine mistake, which I highly doubt, I, I or doubt it could that. have been a big hit that was swapped out
0: by <laughs> you know,
1: and unfortunately, you know, you don't want to think that, but. That is right. a, a possible scenario as well, right? I'm not gonna you know blame anybody, but you know, I it, it was a base card, a base card, and then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, and I've I've uh, ripped some HTAs. You usually, you know, they're decent. You you'll get a hit, right? Shouldn't yeah. be three base autos. So the I think the colors mm. missing there.
2: <laughs> oh damn! So the the hit is missing. The third one's the hit. That's crazy. Well, I didn't know.
1: It, that. I mean, who knows, right? Like i can't i can't say for for sure yeah but it's it's wild it's a wild story it's it's a wild story it's funny yeah that was
0: pretty wild for sure (laughs) imagine imagine that happened to one of us
1: i'd be (laughs) yeah we're we're fighting i know i don't
2: (laughs) i don't even know how you would claim that to to bowman and tops well good thing it was
1: videotaped at least right i know because it's like you know this is a (laughs) fresh case of uh 2021 bowman chrome right sure true yeah
0: All right, I thought we'd just open up with that because it's kind of funny, kind of wild. But yeah, let's move on then to hobby headlines. John, you brought up to our attention an article in Bloomberg today about Fanatics, which is the company that recently acquired the MLB and NFL player licenses away from Topps and Panini, respectively. And the news is that an insider noted Fanatics is now valued at $10.4 billion yeah which is nuts Crazy. after going through a after going through a 350 million dollar funding round yeah. which involved a few private equity investor types yeah and and um, that's and that's
2: the fanatics sports card department that's not the fanatics like the the entire entity it's just the right. sports oh, no. card department is yeah. valued at 10.4 billion or or whatever it is
0: yeah, yeah good clarification for sure just a yeah this is their trading card business division i guess yeah, yeah. But I thought the more interesting part was this quote from the story. Quote, management plans to build a one-stop shop for sports memorabilia and will add services including financing, grading, and storage. End quote. Crazy. So, yeah, it looks like they might be disrupting the hobby in more ways than one if everything reported in the story is true. So I thought maybe we could break it down a bit today and get your thoughts on what you think the future of the hobby might look like with this news, if it's true, and how everything could potentially play out. So, what's the first thing that's going through your mind when you when you read that story?
2: I, I'm in. I'm actually in favor of it. I, I think uh, it's huge disruption, and it seems a little crazy. Like on the one hand, you don't really want a company to have a monopoly, but on the other hand, um, like they're about to disrupt eBay. But the financing part it looks like they're going to get involved in buying and selling they look like they're going to disrupt psa and also disrupt things like pwcc vault like a one-stop shop. Right. and clark right. you mentioned this before because you're out of the three of us you're the only one with experience in purchasing um like nft um cards right yeah. and the thing that really appealed to me that you mentioned was how easy it is to buy and sell. Like literally you purchase, then you can list on there. There's no packaging or this or that, or uh, paying, Mm -hmm. paying shipping. It literally just listed and it sells and the money's in the bank. And I think that's looks like fanatics is trying to mimic that business scenario. So for me, I I really like that. I think that's going to be amazing uh, for the hobby, but you know, yeah. Also a little bit scared of the, mono- the potential monopoly that's about to happen. But yeah, I think over, sure. my initial impression was, I feel like it's it's great news.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with uh, John. Like, I think um, from an investment standpoint, I think it, it, it's definitely uh, beneficial. I think having someone uh, with this kind of, you know, uh, big money uh, type player to come in to kind of, it needs a little regulation, I think, a need a little direction because there's a lot of you know subjectivity I think still going on, and there's a lot of high dollar trades going on based on the subjectivity, right? So, for me, um, from an investment standpoint, I think it's um, it's great because it's gonna it's it's one of those one step, I guess, back two steps forward every time, and it's 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 one of those retracements that we're gonna have to take because. Um, the old is just so broken, right? At the end of the day. Right. Um, and there needs, uh, there's, there's a company who kind of is fast forward thinking and they see the opportunity as well. Right. And this, no one could have said two years ago that, you know, fanatics would even be in play, uh, nor would be worth over 10 north of $10 billion as a, as a, as a trading company. So for me, the, the, the investment portion is great, but as a hobbyist, I'm I'm telling you, you're just going to be more grumpier and grumpier, right? I know from <laughs> from the collect- collector standpoint because I see it from both sides. But uh, this sure. is where I keep on saying you got to adapt, um, or you're not going to enjoy it, essentially, right? But I think like stuff like when you start offering like in-house financing, this is where like it's it, it becomes next level stuff, right? Big time money because this is when you know people, you know who shouldn't be spending is spending. Right. And then you create a whole, you get the, the whole, you know, lending involved and that's a whole different business. Right. So I think, uh, overall, like John said, it's, um, it's positive news uh, from an investment standpoint. I'm more happier. I'm more assured from my like from an investment investment standpoint that my uh, you know future investments are gonna look better based on kind of like this news, right? So for me, it's it's uh it, it's great news for the investment standpoint. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: um, I'm with you guys. Yeah. I like the investment into the hobby. Huge amount of money that can only bring the hobby up. Of course, there'll be challenges in a lot of ways, and I want to get into some of those potential challenges. And one of them is the future of local card shops. If you think of Fanatics as a one-stop shop, and you could get everything through Fanatics through their website because they're dominating the website space um, right now, what do you think it'll do to the you know the, all the LCS? Like, do you think we start seeing a Decline 2.0, you know what I mean. When the junk wax era, after that, the card shops start to disappear one by one. Or do you think Fanatics works out a distribution deal? I, you know, do they even need to? I don't right. know. Like, what do you guys think?
1: I, you want to go? Yeah, ahead.
2: like I can't. I don't imagine them working out a distribution deal. I, I would imagine them more going down the path of like Amazon.com.
1: Yeah, direct right. To and, consumer. And,
2: right, direct to the consumer next day shipping like i could see something like that happening so uh it is a, it's a bit of scary and sad news i, I i'm really worried for local local card shops i think this is going to be tough mm. Um ebay i think should be really scared i think if if fanatics executes this properly and they and they have the money to and the time to execute it properly i think ebay is in trouble and i also think psa might be in trouble here because um like they 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 have the ability to start from scratch And I think that's the big problem with these established companies like PSA and BGS is they can't go backwards, right? Like people always ask, you know, PSA, why don't you create a 9.5? I'm sure they would love to, but they can't because what's going to happen to all the nines that they graded in the past? Do people resubmit it and, you know, get new 9.5s or whatever? It's just hard Mm. for PSA to change things up. And we talked about it last week about how these companies are going to try to get ai involved it's really complicated because they have such a big history and all of these cards already graded but fanatics if they execute properly i think they have a huge opportunity to really put a dent in both the financing buying selling space and also the grading space so uh, every i think everybody should be everybody outside of the fanatics company should be pretty worried and
1: i you know what like for for local card stores, this is what I'll say. It's like I, I think they will definitely get affected. I think the whole model, like I said, uh, like John said, in terms of the whole Amazon model, the direct-to-consumer, you're cutting out the middleman. You kind of don't need them, the distribution anymore because of the, the digital world we live in, right? Right. And, um, but with that said, I think uh, people are smart. Uh, people uh, learn to pivot. And they, they create income in different ways that will keep them afloat now because at the end of the day, you know, this is a, a growing industry. And a lot of local card stores, um, you know, their value is based on their, you know, inventory essentially. And, you know, um, that basically is what floats them now. And uh, they, they have other ways such as breaking, for instance. They have right. other ways yeah. of making money. Uh, cuz who yeah fanatics might you know uh be let's just say they're the only way you could get direct uh product from and then that's exactly what's going to happen in the secondary market right it's just going to be a resale market and that's what card stores are doing anyway sometimes you know the allocation <laughs> of products that they try to get especially in basketball like so, like sometimes will at dolly's you know uh you know always says you know he his allocation sometimes he he gets none right so like um you just don't know anymore and it's getting worse and worse and that's with tops and panini right so it's like picture yeah. picture when you know some a uh, a brand like fanatics goes right why what's the purpose of uh, a local card store to them right at the end of the day i think that local card store is going to be different by definition than what we've we are used to and what we've grown up to. But I, I also think they're going to be smart about it and pivot like any offer sure. different services like grading and right. and whatnot. Right. So, right.
2: That's a great point.
1: I was going to say exactly
0: that young, like the breaking thing came right to mind, right to my mind right away that, mm. you know, local card shops can't be just about selling products. Right. Especially if fanatics is taking that Avenue away. And We've already seen local car shops kind of adapt with breaking. We for talked sure. about it in the past um, in one of our episodes where that's a you know another revenue path for them and and uh, you just mentioned grading group submissions that could be another way to make money and I think I like that Amazon analogy because local car shops then are like those bricks and mortar bookstores where, yeah, a lot of them have closed down, but the ones that are still existing, it's not about the books. It's about the experience, right? Where I right. can get right. coffee and relax, read some magazines, buy some books if I'm there, and you know, For enjoying sure. the time there. Um, so local card shops, they got to make it almost about the experience, like have train Absolutely. nights or you know, have. I was just gonna say that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, have like um, local breaks, and then sure. and then um, you know, you can sell singles, and you create a community within the places you live. Like there are definitely. Ways local card shops could be still a value for Absolutely. collectors right so they'll definitely have to pivot and change but um, I don't think it'll be the demise of all of them for sure mm-hmm. so you mentioned Johnny the PSA aspect the grading aspect that fanatics is looking to potentially do as well and you thought um, PSA would be uh, potentially in trouble because they can't start all over like fanatics will Hyung, do you have any do you have any uh, opinion on how, how that might impact
1: companies like PSA, BGS, even SGC. Like I said, for, for me, it's, if I were fanatics, I'd buy them all. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, and you know what, keep them as is because some people like, why disrupt the market that that's all they provide their, their own kind of, you know, brand. And like I said, it's five right. years too, right? We don't know how the industry is going to look, but I do know that, a PSA 10 price and a difference between a PSA 9 shouldn't be determined that much based on someone's opinion. And like, like I say that because it's like, think about that. Like, you know, some cards are six figures, seven figures, PSA 10, and a PSA 9 is like 30% that price or 40%. And to me, it's just, you know, it's happening on multiple scales. So for me, I would like um you know somebody like fanatics to kind of take a hold of that or Hmm. you know maybe it's wishful thinking but i think yeah i think it's gonna definitely change but i think also a brand like psa and beckett they have such a strong history that i think you can't it's you're gonna always have certain slabs that are iconic that are in the psa slab right so um, it's it's one of those things where I think it's one of potentially a perfect marriage where, you know, they they do work out a deal. If Fanatics is that big, especially their trading card. <laughs> you know, get, get go start investing in AI. You know, buy out PSA, your HGAs, your SGCS, and control control the whole damn market. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be
0: crazy. I think to that point, Fanatics could do that, but I think PSA. You know, it, you mentioned there's five years until fanatics really really takes over and you know now that psa kind of knows what the game plan is or what fanatics is looking to do i think it's time to take offense for psa like they got to start to explore ai technology because absolutely i'm sure fanatics is looking into that right and uh, i was sharing with you guys off air like i i think the psa brand is strong enough now to hold off the competition as long as they don't rest on their laurels right now You know what I mean? Right, they got to sure. really start to plan ahead And, and you know, by the time Fanatics is ready Like, you know, PSA can say Actually, we have uh, AI technology that, you know That we can use to grade cards more fair, more quick You know, and, and uh, just build on top of their brand And, you know, kind of stay competitive in that sense Right. And and I guess Beckett could do the same because they have a history as well, but the other thing is too like yeah I wouldn't discount the the power of the brand you know like Fanatics could come out with something that's really great but because it's new like people are gonna say nah yeah I don't, that I don't is, like the I'm Fanatics not buying slab, it you know yeah, I ain't yeah. buying it right? yeah and so it's not gonna be that easy like Fanatics there's, there's still gotta be buy-in from the collectors right. that you know oh the Fanatics slab is worth this much like SGC for instance right like not a lot of people were into it until they found the opportunity when PSA and VGS shut down most of their services and then all of a sudden SGC started to provide a service that was you know quick and and the slabs looked fine and and now there's like a threshold that they met where enough people have it at shows and are selling it and have increasing value when uh, when they're slabbed in SGC that people are willing to buy those cards, right. so you got to work at like building that brand. Like Fanatics has to really work at building the the brand in the on the grading front. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of things could happen. Like in five years, that's a lot of time. Right. So, I'm, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah,
2: I, I feel like I feel like they can do it. They, the Fanatics brand already is fairly strong. It's not. It's not so obviously strong in a sports sports card scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but people know of it in the memorabilia scene. And I think when it comes time and they execute properly, I don't think it'll be too difficult to get adoption. Like these guys aren't, they're not stupid. They can find the the quickest way to get people to, to hop on board. I don't know, something as easy as, you know, $100 for 20 submissions on your first one or something, something ridiculous. Right. Okay. Just kind of like how McDonald's. Was trying to get customers to adopt their coffee. All they did was literally every Tuesday, free coffee, free coffee, free coffee.
1: Very when you're very well funded, yeah, you can exactly you can do you can do anything
2: you want to get people to adopt. Absolutely, Um, and fair point. Yeah, I could see it happening pretty quickly. So that's why I think in my in my gut, I'm like, oh man, I, I really think PSA should be a bit scared here.
0: Yeah we'll see what happens yeah
2: (laughs) all speculation but still it's it's fun to to chatter about it
0: for sure for sure is there any other areas do you think that fanatics can really take over within the hobby well i mean i think you mentioned go ahead
2: no i was just gonna say if they execute this whole one-stop shop thing like make physical sports cards almost like an nft marketplace man i i i think that would be crazy that would be that'd be huge for a lot of people because there's already people in sports cards that are strictly in it for the money investor only they're not really they don't really collect anything for the pc Um, so i think this is going to take the sports card investor scene to the next
0: level you think consigners will be impacted even like golden
2: oh yeah absolutely like if 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 they take over that financing scene like the buying and selling like Com C, My MySlabs right. I think all those guys th- this could be spell uh, a bit of trouble for everybody
0: Yeah, because I know Golden just got into the storage of graded cards Right game as well, right? Like competing really against PWCC because they had been offering that as well in their vault Right um, So it's interesting to see how the hobby evolves like you know, even when we got back into it like two, three, four short years ago, man, the the, the business has changed a lot. Like right. different offshoots, you know what I mean? Like
1: storage that, that, wasn't a that, thing. And I think that's what you're, you'll you always see is like people pivot. You know, Golden yeah. Auction wasn't Golden Auction, you know, when they, even two, three years ago, what, what they were doing, right. right? They changed, they pivot. And everybody who, you know, has, you know, any sense of business or uh, an urge to grow you know, or follow or, you know, you know, create the future uh, in, in this industry, they're gonna, they're gonna have to pivot, right. And sure. I think, and like you said, in a growing industry, there's so many people that, you know, didn't exist a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden, they're, you know, Jeff Wilson, here comes Jeff Wilson, who, you know, totally changed the course of his life and other people's life as well, right. So mm. it's like, as time goes on, we'll only, you know, discuss this. You know, through our podcast, and see how this all transpires, and we'll look back five years and we're we'll like, "What were we thinking?" This is totally not the way it's not- unfolded. <laughs> five years later, Fanatics is out of
0: business <laughs> by another competitor that we never saw coming. Exactly. All right, yeah. I guess the only thing that we can do is just really wait. Like, it's a lot of time, but uh, I'm sure even before the five years is up, the hobby is going to definitely evolve. So many different ways. So, so it'll be fun to watch. And uh, as collectors, we'll have to pivot too. Like, what do we, you know, where do we collect? What do we collect? How do we um, make good investments? All these things are questions we need to ask ourselves too along the way.
1: Sure.
0: Let's move on to our next segment then, and this is a new one. We're calling "Tricks of the Trade." Now, this is essentially where we aim to provide one or two useful tricks or really tips that might be useful for collectors to know. It could really be anything like um, how to find better sports card deals or even which player to target in the offseason to get the best ROI, anything that's related to the hobby. Okay, so I can start things off for this segment and my tip's is a simple one and it's just one way of finding good sports card deals on eBay, which is... That when you do find a good deal on eBay, you know, when you find that good deal searching for whatever card, especially if it's a bin offer. I look through the other cards of that seller that I just bought that card from to see if there are any other cards he or she has listed for really good prices. You know, they could be looking to offload a bunch of their cards and we might not see them in our regular searches because we're not looking for those specific cards. But, right. you know, it's like garage sale. When you look through stuff and, and uh, you, you know, you see things like, oh, I, I never even thought of this, but this is really cool. Just add uh, that to the pop, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100%. And, you know, like you see that card and you're like, oh, this will be a great investment. Like right. I didn't think about it before, but it's at a really good price. The seller is, you know, more than fair. Right. So I always, you know, look to... See what other cards that seller has, especially if I feel like I got a really good deal on the card, the initial card that I just bought from. For so, sure. one simple tip that you guys can do to see if you can get other good deals. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I I I use that. Yeah, I use that uh, on my purchases a couple times where you know I made a a deal on a couple cards for cheaper than I would have paid just by messaging him. I I went through his stash and he had another card that I wanted yeah. and he cut me a deal and shipped it you know together so it definitely and you're yes, you're sir. clark you're you're an upseller's dream <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that <laughs> <laughs> All right um that's that's a good one though yeah. um I'll I'll share mine with uh with with you guys all um I'm going to talk a little bit about like having a seasonal approach and uh, w- w- mm. when I say about seasonal approaches, look at it from a-, a yearly perspective and see where the dips and spikes are. Your essential dips are, you know, um, going to happen in different periods of time uh, for different sports. So, for instance, baseball, your dips are it- it's, it's going to happen soon. It's happening now. You're, you're seeing right, prices right. In-, in conjunction, obviously, with PSA releasing all their slabs and grading all their slabs. You're going to see a huge dip. Uh, within the next two, three months. And I think, um, you know, uh, purchasing at the dips, obviously, if you're trying to get into, like, a bigger card, uh, a bigger name such as, like, Juan Soto, Vladi, you know, the Otanis of the world, cards that are, you know, so expensive during the spikes uh, and during the season, the peak seasons in the summer, uh, those are the ones you kind of want to just kind of monitor. And then it's the same sequence as basketball when basketball starts, you know, uh, starts getting really hot in November, December. By then, you don't want to be loading up on basketball uh, because you're technically buying into the hype. Uh, The price is baked into that hype, right? So essentially, basketball is going to do the same thing, paper off. Uh, into, you know, um, January, February uh, was Super Bowl and then baseball starts picking up, right? So that's when, um, you know, buying and selling at basically dips and spikes, I think, uh, is a good uh, thing to practice and seeing it as a Uh, a a yearly thing a lot of people like to complement sports such as you know basketball and baseball for instance uh, because it runs into uh, two seasons so a lot of people will start unloading their baseball right now and start buying up basketball before you know the season starts so if you believe in a player like in basketball that's why we we talked about Trey Young a lot or you know guys like that where it's he's a buy right now he's only a buy right now because nobody cares about Trey Young is because in the middle of August, you know nobody cares about basketball, right? And right. They're, they're 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 focused on who's going to make the playoff run in baseball and that's the way the kind of the hobby kind of worked before. Um, I see it Uh, after the whole COVID year, it's kind of doing the same thing. It's like, and that's, this shows you, you know, when, when this is the proof that marketing, you know, runs our whole world, right? It's as Mm -hmm. soon as it becomes relevant in our society, right? This is where things start. You have more buyers, you have more market players, right? So that's the time when you want to, you know, take the volatility into, into play and, you know, buy low, sell high. Yeah, for sure. I like that advice because, You know,
0: when we started the podcast when the hobby was going through an insane hot streak, right? We were saying there is no off season, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, there are no dips like people are just buying all the time. But now that everything's settled down, we've seen it settle down and you're you're 100% right. Like you start to see those patterns reemerge from what mm-hmm. it was before the insane hype of the hobby. Right. Like those right. dips and those peaks. Um based on, based on, yeah, where, where the sports are in their particular season. So look for those, definitely look for those again.
2: Nice. Yeah. So mine is, uh, it's, it's a bit general too, but, um, I love to follow the investor mantra profits are in the purchase. Young and I always talk about it. Um, and I, I believe that 100%. I think if you're trying to in this hobby, trying to make some money, um, I think you have to do your research and you can't be lazy. I I know when I talk to some people, they're like, oh, I don't have time to do that, or I don't, you know, like I can't be bothered to check this or check that. Um, if you're gonna really invest your hard earned dollars into either collecting a PC or investing for the purpose of making money, it's so important to do your research, man. It, It can start as simple as taking advantage of any resource that's out there, like go download the card ladder app, go download PSA certification app. Go look at right. 130 for every comp before you, you purchase, right? And I think as you do your research and you're not lazy about it and you do your homework, that's when those opportunities or understanding, you know, we talked about ratios and all that stuff. When you're well-prepared and well-armed with that kind of information, I think that's when you'll be set up for success. And I, I think you guys would all agree some of your best profits were made out of purchases that you really did your research on. You did your homework on the player, right. the, the 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 situation of the market, everything, right? The, 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 the For sure. All-encompassing situation you knew and you made a move on the card and you made some profits off of it. And we all also could agree our greatest losses are from cards that we made doing no research, super emotional buy, <laughs> you know, like we, we all have those Ls as well, right? So I think, um, you know, even with doing research, it's not like it's a foolproof plan. But I think if, if you really, you know, don't want to lose in this investor scene, um, yeah, like you can't, you cannot be lazy. And I think that goes with any, you know, that's goes with anything in life. Like if you want for to be sure, good at anything, sure. it's your job, being a parent, whatever, like you can't be lazy about it, right? Like you got to really put your 100% effort into whatever you're trying to accomplish,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah. Good life advice. Good collector advice. <laughs> but i like um i think for sure with better research you're gonna you know you're gonna win more times than not like and and with better research too like you could be more confident in the purchases you make right Right. like um you know it's not it wouldn't be so crazy to buy lots of whatever card because you've done your research and you think you know it's it's gonna really pay out right right? And, And, and and that
1: you know what to further that point clark like i think uh people don't realize like you could make money off of like a card that the athlete has never even played that single game yet just by doing your research. Yeah. You know, you, you buy at the right time and then you sell at the right time. And, and like the Acuna, like an Acuna, Mm. for instance, (laughs) bought in the off season, sold during the peak season because you did your research. You had a game plan, right? and, It was essentially based off of you just doing your due diligence at the end of the day, right? You were prepared for that and you deserve that. And most people, I think, get burnt by that. They just expect the results because, you know, they put their money and they have it and they have no clue. They don't even watch the sport. They expect it. You know, I don't think that's a bad move if you're just like locking it up in the safe and forgetting about it in 10 years. Sure. Right? Because you're not really day trading. But I think a lot of people… just like john said like they don't do their work they get lazy they just expect the returns they want quick money uh and and for the quick flip but you know we all know that you know you'll become the bag holder more times than not when when you're when you're chasing based off emotion yeah or you're chasing based off what everyone else is buying and you
0: have no idea who that person is or how good that person is right absolutely (laughs) and
1: they're like sucker (laughs) Keston. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> he was a perfect example too. You know what? Like, it, it, okay, and and that's the thing. It's like it, it all. Like Kesten Hero was is a perfect example. He went from like. Uh, n- like, no hobby love to, like, whoa, is this guy the next, like, dude? <laughs> right. Because he hit, like, 313 his first. He hit, like, 20 home runs and, like, 300 at-bats. Everybody's like, yo, this guy's the real dude. This guy's a real dude. That offseason, Keston's prices went through the roof because he had a great yeah. spring training or whatever. Right. And, you know, and if you sold it at that time, you probably did, did well. But then, you know, as people talk about Keston, Keston, Keston. People don't do their research and then they yeah, yeah. fall for that. They're the ones holding the bag, right? So, yep. <laughs> guess then. <laughs> yeah, that's me. And that's me right <laughs> oh, here. <man. laughs> I, you know what? He could still hit. I, I still, I still want him to turn it around because so many people are represented based on his card prices right that's how we look <laughs> at athletes now but like to me he's like he's hard working he's such a like he's a stud you know he's a freaking yeah. MLB player you know he works his butt off so yeah. no hatred there just from an investment standpoint just leaving that disclaimer
0: <laughs> I'm just gonna add like we've all been there man like even myself you know where every, the hype is so big you're like I'm just gonna get one or two of these guys you know just case yeah, just in case just <laughs> in case, case. <laughs> It's like crypto, just yeah, in case. Just in <laughs> case, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good advice, though. I think, uh, yeah, I hope I hope um, anyone listening to this episode yeah, got some value out of that. And we'll uh, make this a reoccurring segment because I think it's really useful uh, as we learn new tricks and tips uh, while we're in the hobby. We'll uh, definitely share with you guys. All right, so with that, let's end the show with our regular pick one segment. This week... It's the hot takes edition. We'll alternate between our hot takes edition versus the regular edition. And for those who are listening for the first time, the hot takes edition of our Pick One segment is when we give two hot takes and we each choose which one is likelier to happen and what might the hobby implications be. So who wants to go first with their two hot takes to debate?
1: I'll I'll lead us off uh, with with our first uh, hot takes edition. I might ruffle some feathers, um, <laughs> but I, I see this a lot uh, actually on, on the forums. I see both sides, that's why, and I, I like to bring it up because I think our audience kind of uh, sees both sides of it too. They're, they're going to probably debate on both sides, but HGA is better than SGC in terms of grading. Okay, so that's my first hot take, and I'm going to pair that up with BGS is better than PSA. Okay. okay, so would you guys rather go say HGA is a better grading company than SGC? So investment wise, slab wise, what it, like better in company that you guys say okay this is this is a better company or BGS is better than P- PSA? Yeah, that's an interesting one, but I think I'm already a little biased,
0: even based on what you sent us this morning, Young, that Wayne Gretzky <laughs> card. I don't know if other people have seen it. But a Wayne Gretzky, I think, was it a OPG? His, yeah, it was his OPG. Iconic yeah. rookie card was graded by HGA. I don't know if it's real or if it's fake, but it, it was. Like yeah, it was, it, was it was
1: deemed it was deemed fake or like uh, it was a uh, fake, and they graded it, and that's that's another concern, right? It's like, but then by um, HGA, right? yeah, which is a whole can of worms, right? Like, yeah. we're talking about PSA. Then, are they are they innocent? Right. right, like right. are they innocent for what they've done? Is BGS innocent in terms of sure. all graded cards? Right, so um, but Fair yeah, point. I would I hope that you take that today's conversation out of it, <laughs> okay? Because okay, I- I'm just basing it out of like the hype of HGA got because it, it. I see like a lot of people saying, you know what, HGA is pretty cool. Like, for instance, they, they that that uh, custom slab that you know that was off centered, you know, that right. was like <laughs> fallen off, or zebra. You know those animal prints that they do tiger stripes or zebras with it look pretty cool. So I was just looking at that perspective. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I I won't uh, factor in the Gretzky (laughs) news uh, this morning.
0: So I think HGA is better than SGC. That's I think that's a super hot take. Like that is (laughs) fire, right? (laughs) So and BGS over PSA. That's a pretty hot take. (laughs) That's a hot take too. But honestly, I think there's parts of the hobby in the hobby where I actually prefer BGS over PSA. Like mm-hmm. um baseball on card autos. You know, right. I like the I like the dual grades right beside each other. I like the look of the card itself with the you know, nine point five and ten auto or ten, ten. It looks pretty sweet. So there's instances already where I feel like BGS is Better than PSA, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in terms of look, in terms of personal preference. Whereas HGA, like, I know some guys in our group even love it or like it or don't mind it. I, I think it's too gimmicky, man. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of HGA at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the, you know, like some people like that kind of like the different looks of the different slabs. I like consistency in the slabs. So right. already HGA's ruffled my feathers a little bit. Uh, okay. Where, you know, SGC is a nice clean look. They got a gold label, sure, that's the premium one. And then, uh, you know, PSA and BGS, they all have pretty much uniform looks. So, um, the hot take that I think is better is. uh, I guess it's the BGS. BGS, over yeah, PSA. BGS is yeah. better than PSA. Yeah. All right, we saw that oh, coming. You we saw
1: that coming from Clark. Because <laughs> okay, I, John, John, Johnny is going to be interesting because I know how much you love yeah. PSA. Like, it, like be, I know you love PSA more. Like, <laughs> not even in the same conversation. Yes, yeah. yeah. Than yes. anything. So I know based on your ownership of PSA slabs. Yes it right? will be interesting. I'm interesting. Let's, let's, yeah. hear it.
0: Yeah. let's
2: hear it. <laughs> okay, so when I first got back into the hobby and I, bought, I purchased my first graded card and it came to the mail and I picked it up from the mailbox and it was a PSA 10 Kawhi Leonard. Um, first time ever holding a graded card. I was so <laughs> underwhelmed by... The light, <laughs> light plastic <laughs> yeah. case. Because I'm, I'm used to, you know, us old school guys were used to like those old glass screw-ons and, and whatnot, right. right? Yeah. So that was a part of me that immediately thought when, it, when I touched the BGS case, it was better. Because it's got that kind of like heavy glass feel. And I, I've, mm-hmm. to me, initially, that felt more premium. But obviously, as time goes on, you fall to the hype. You know, you like what's the best, and PSA was the best. And all of a sudden, I'm liking the more lightweight feel, and I, I, I'm like, yeah, PSA looks better. I don't like B- BGS at all. And I, I've I've totally like drank the PSA Kool Aid. Like I'm all PSA over B- BGS all day, every day. For HGA, when they first came out, you know, looked like they really did their homework. They they worked on custom slabs, I thought, which I thought was really cool. They knew that I think. Consumers liked PSA, but also liked the sort of heavy premium feel of the BGS Slab. So they kind of went in between. It's like a similar size slab, a little bit heavier. So a lot of people, the initial reaction was like, Oh, I kind of like the feel, the weight feels nice. They rounded the corners because I know that was one knock on the BGS case was people didn't like that, the sharp corner. They wanted to feel kind of that rounded corner. They rounded the corners. So it looked like they're really listening to consumer. I feel like they really screwed up following BGS grading with 95 as being the gen- I think that was such a stupid move. No, you know, mm-hmm. no offense to them. Like you got to go with the 10. Like that's what people want to see. If you have to call the 10, like, you know, the actual 10, like a flawless 10, call it a a diamond 10 or a 10 plus or a gold 10. Do that instead of the 95. I think that was a really bad move, but um HGA also like you know, the jury's been out now. I don't know how, how how long have they been around now? Six months?
1: They've been yeah, maybe longer. Yeah, longer. It, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's six months to a year.
2: Yeah, so, it, you know, like things have gotten out. I think uh, a lot of people have noticed a bit of uh, grading issues, inconsistencies with the hybrid approach, whether it's being graded by an AI machine or human. Some people are saying, "Oh, I don't know, like why might Why was this a nine, and why was this like a like a?" a gem 10 right they look exactly the same um the the whole wayne gretzky issue with fake cards and i don't know if you guys saw recently but somebody posted on one of their ig accounts they were flexing the ag the hga case like basically torquing it oh yeah yeah. and it really it literally just snapped apart and and you would think that'd be like a one-off like isolated case while other people saw the video and tried it on theirs and now you got a whole bunch of videos of people literally being able to rip apart the like cleanly rip apart the HGA case like in half wow. you can basically take it out remove the card and then crazy glue it back on like perfectly it's it's right it's really messed up so I think HGA in the past mm. little while has really taken a hit so when I really look at this, I, I think both are ex- huge hot takes. I don't think the likelihood <laughs> of either is going to happen. But of the two, because of HGA's, this, all this criticism that they're taking, I think for a company that just started off, I think that is, you know, like getting close to nail in the coffin. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say BGS, but also because I don't think BGS is ever going to be greater than PSA, but I think there is a chance just just by the fact that BGS could be bought out, like I don't see PSC yeah. b- being bought out because mm. of Collector Universe, but I could see BGS being bought out by Fanatics or whoever, and then the newer company doing a better job than what BGS was able to handle. So, because of those reasons, I'm I'm of the two. I think the BGS has the better likelihood of the the low percentage to be better.
1: Fair enough, mm. and, and you know what, like um, and. I only say that because I'm part of a HGA like a Facebook group, so I know there there's a huge fan base of HGA slabs. Like there's a there's a lot of following, and also I know that a lot of people uh, don't take SGC that seriously right. as a grading company as well, right? So um, for me, um, I I always wanted to do an HGA submission to kind of see for myself before i you know dog any you know company uh because i've heard a lot of positives as well right so and i think sgc is doing a phenomenal job and i know it was a super hot take but i do know that that's the conversation that's going on in in facebook like conversation facebook world right so i thought that was a good uh, comparison and personally for me bgs um I love my PSA tens, but I think BGS is so underrated just in general. Like, I think uh, uh, one of the most underrated card is a, a is a true gem BGS or yeah, true gem yeah, plus. Sure. Like, so but underrated, great. right? And for me, it's like I personally like BGS tens as well. So I like oh, yeah. the slabs. So it's an easy one for me. Uh, BGS, I in my opinion, in some ways are and i hope that one day like you said john that maybe a, a better brand uh that's finance uh, picks up bgs and can take that cuz i still love the beckett i want them i want a beckett mailed to me every day i'll read it i'll keep <laughs> it in the bathroom i guarantee it would be the the most read book <laughs> in the bathroom right so uh yeah i'm i'm going bgs as all well. yeah sweep
0: and come on the black label yeah black labels black are label. sweet yeah but yeah. don't don't buy the grade
1: buy the card right as they say that's a great point though Like
2: we we talked about fanatics and their supposed plan to get into grading and we we talk we always talk about sec the last five weeks we've been shouting about sec hyung you mentioned you think bgs is very underrated I, i will agree with that you know i don't think there's anything wrong with loading up on bgs gems at a great price and loading up mm-hmm. on SGC 10s because, for sure, like we just talked about, we don't know what the landscape is in the next three to five years. What if right. Fanatics takes over? What if they, they're able to slay the giant that is PSA and their slab start being worth 80, 90, almost 100% of PSA or more? And then they right. offer you crazy, you know, crazy grading fees. They give you 20 grades for 100 bucks. Like, we could literally right. take all of our true gem BGSs that we got for on the cheap, we got to take all our 10s, that SEC 10s that we loaded up, crack them all out, and resubmit them in three years to a company that is, I don't know, better than PSA. We, we really don't know what's about to happen. We don't know. We won't know. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you, are I think, kind of going back to the long-term strategy, if if you're out there and you're, you think SGC or BGS is underrated, and it's something of a long-term hold, like you're locking it in the safe, I don't think it's a bad play, man, because you don't know how this grading landscape is going to come out in five years right it could come totally come out, because that's what people say right like you you buy that card not the grade right so yeah 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 good point all right i'll go i'll go next okay um i'm gonna i'm gonna pick on uh a, a favorite of ours but uh it's tyler hero is out of the league in five years or Cody Bellinger is out of the league in five years.
1: Oh, this hurts. <laughs> oh man. Oh jeez. All right, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll answer that because I'm I'm a hero <laughs> fan. So, um, and you know what? I come from a baseball background, so for me, Bellinger. Uh, I mean, let's face it; he's a stud. Like he is. He is a he is the dude. He he was the dude. He is the dude. He's had a terrible last two seasons. Yep, yep. Um, For me, I'm, I'm kind of concerned from a baseball standpoint. You got to remember, baseball is a game of failure. And when I say a game of failure, a Hall of Famer hits, you know, is successful 30% of the time, right? right That's right. a game of failure. And he, where he's at, everything is mental, right? So for me, it's... It's tough to rebound from stuff like this. It's not like, like it's almost like the yips. I don't know if you guys know what the yips are. It's yeah, like yeah, I, cool. I remember like Chuck Knobloch had it. I remember that right. Chuck Knobloch. Louis Soho, I think had it too. But I'm throwing out these names where they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't throw to somebody five feet away. They would throw it, throw the ball away because it's all mental, right? So right. I feel like that's kind of it's scary, but like that's that might be where Bellinger is kind of like where Keston was, right? Um, so I see, just from a baseball standpoint, that it could highly happen to Bellinger a lot more. And me being a hero fan uh, and a hero collector, you know, I'm gonna say, you know, it's Bellinger for me that's out of the league in five years, and Hero's gonna be staying.
2: <laughs>
1: wow! Wow!
0: Oh,
2: I, I really thought I could could have got Young out out of uh, Hero,
1: but
0: damn. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now we know how much Chung loves Hero, man.
1: <laughs> I, I just think he's cheap. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. This one's an easy one. Hero's going to be out of the league in three years. <laughs> <laughs> I think basketball, there's so much... There's a lot more distractions. You know, like... It's really based on the individual in basketball. And if you can't handle the pressure... Oh, man, like... Things can go south real quick, and we've already seen Hero kind of buckle under the pressure a little bit. You know, not to the extent where he's in danger of being kicked off the team, but you know, his off the court stuff and and, <laughs> and uh, you know, like we're all hoping that he rebounds, of course, uh, this coming season. But you know, basketball is like, yeah, I think I think players are under more intense pressure, and you know. These new guys coming up you know they're the the celebrity status there's a thrust upon them it's a lot of pressure so and you know basketball's tough too right like it's tough to stay in the league there's only like Mm -hmm. you know a few hundred spots in the league for you to play and it's not you know if you don't perform within the 82 game season like there's always a replacement real quick right so and i know baseball is similar in that sense but I feel like you have a longer leash with, the, like, the longer season. And um, I'm a big Bellinger fan. I think, for me, it's health-related, which is what I'm hoping. Like, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I know this because he's on my fantasy team this year. I've been putting him on the IL this whole <laughs> half the season, at least, it feels like. I've been, and I think he just got activated today, so he's in my lineup. But What's I he think, hitting? you know... Oh, he, it's, he's it's,
1: awful, yeah. man. He, he's, he's horrible, like the worst yeah. batter in baseball. Like Luckily, worse than Keston last year or this earlier this year. I think it's I think he's worse. Oh my goodness. Really? I'm telling you, man. He's got this is very concerning. He, Clark, you gotta really really see the, the, the falter here as a twenty five year old. He's batting like one. Like, okay, anyways, anyways. Like yeah, I just seen it on baseball reference. Man, it's bad that, that breaks my heart because Bellinger is a stud. Was a stud. But, MVP but, rookie of the year. But go listen, on. Listen,
0: I'm still attributing it to physical health. Like he's you know, that could get to your head too, right? Like if you get injured, you swing a little bit differently, you run a little differently, you do everything a little differently. So I wanna see like you know, him come back to full health next season hopefully and um, him pick up where you know, where he was uh I, I believe he was NL rookie of the year, right? NL Rookie of the Year when he came up? Rookie of the year and AL MVP or sorry, NL M V P. Right, right, right. So yeah, yeah, I think there's he still has that high floor for me if he's completely healthy. So I'm not panicking just yet. I think Bellinger uh can make a comeback and and therefore he'll still be in the league. He'll still be with the dominating LA Dodgers. So nice. That's my pick. Nice.
2: I think I think this proves like I mean the easy the easy answer here for the general public would be Hero. Because I think, you know, right. he, he's he's newer, he's younger, the, the word bust is being kinda like thrown out a lot. And I think people are unjustly being way too tough on Hero. Like he still played a good season. Was he playoff Tyler Hero? Absolutely not. He was far from it. Did he take giant leaps from his previous year? No, he didn't. But he was still a very very solid player um sure. in in yeah. you know like I th- obviously people thought he was going to stay in a starting role and he went from the starting role to a bench role, which was pretty disappointing. But not enough for him to be outside of, like, the top 100 players in NBA. Like, he's still going to have a solid role in the NBA. Um, So of the two, obviously, they're both super hot takes. But I'm with Young. Like, I think I've never been a huge Bellinger fan, and I'm not like a, you know, I I don't know baseball like Young knows baseball. But I never liked the fact that Bellinger's an MVP one season, and then he's not so great of a player the next season, and then he's all of a sudden MVP again, and then he's not so great of a player. And then this year being one of the worst batters in baseball and having the yips on the field and all that stuff, that I'm with Young in saying that I think that's really, really concerning to see. And this is not even the first year. Like last year, uh he was yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't good last year either, and this year was even worse. So I'm seeing very much Keston like patterns. So I yeah, I'm, it's very
1: similar actually. Yeah, so
2: I'm I'm very much on more on the Bellinger camp than I am. I, I am hero. So I, I pick Bellinger. Huh?
0: How dare you guys compare to <laughs> Castle? <laughs> that's another hot take, man. <laughs> yeah, I said, no, no, I, said no I said similar yeah. pattern.
2: I didn't I didn't say similar player.
0: Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Okay, okay, yeah. And surprised by both your choices, but I understand it too at the same time. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, for me, for me um, too. It's like I've had the opportunity to invest in both, and based on where prices were like i've uh i i'm I only say it because that's the way that's what I did, right, and it's not saying that I'm right yeah, by yeah, no yeah. means, right. but it, I just sure. felt like that was the right move for me at the time, especially when Bellinger was a lot higher like his prices were a lot higher than uh they are now today, like they weren't high True. in the first place, but they just now they're they just tanked right so for me i I just see. You know, if Tyler Hero could figure it out, I think you're gonna have a, a fun player. Especially interesting to see Kyle Lowry, I guess, uh, uh, take that too, right? So it'll it'll be it'll be impacting on Tyler. So hopefully, he's 20 years old. Remember. You know he's yeah. still 20 years yeah. old. He has yeah. two seasons on the belt. He has one NBA final uh, experience. He has the the swag that we like. So yeah, I'm uh, yeah, for sure. I'm still yeah bullish on him. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just had to throw that in. Yeah, there. I
2: mean that's a great that's a great question. Like, are you right now <laughs> buying hero or are you buying Bellinger? Right, that could also kind of right. tell you where you are with this with this question. True.
0: Good one. I like it. All right, I'll end off with my pick one, and. My first hot take is Shea Gilgis Alexander will be an MVP in the leagues at some point in his career, versus Michael Porter Jr. will be an MVP some point in his career. And I picked those two because if you heard MPJ just signed a contract extension, I think it was five year, 172, 173 Damn. million. Damn, I didn't yeah, see that's that. A big Holy money, big deal. Yeah. And Shea Gilgis signed a contract extension. Um, uh before that, for I think about the same amount, really, just the max, so yeah. those guys are getting good money over the next five years uh, I think bonuses if they make the all star or all these other all the all the incentive other, packages right? right right right, exactly incentive packages, so obviously their teams respective teams think they're the future, they're both very young, uh got promising futures ahead of them, but um yeah, but you know at the same time, I see you know flaws in both their games right mm-hmm. uh high expectations maybe neither of them met those expectations yet um but their team still believe in them and Michael Porter Jr. also has those injury issues um mm-hmm. but he performed well in the playoffs you know like he definitely has shown flashes of mega potential as and Shea Gilgis has been steady for the yeah. OKC you know yeah. so yeah want to get your thoughts in terms of Yeah, I guess this question will also answer like, who would you believe in as a long-term investment, right? Right. (laughs) If you think they're
1: going to win MVP at one point, I think um, for for me, I I think I know John's answer, but um, (laughs) I think so too. (laughs) uh, But yeah, I think the way you phrase that last sentence is perfect. It's like, who are you buying at the end of the day in terms of uh, you know um, risk too as well, right? So for me, uh, it's tough because you have you have the. You have SGA. He he's he's like the vanilla. You know what you're gonna get. He's smooth sailing. He's gonna be you know um, accomplished things in his career. But I don't see him being that MVP type player. However, I could definitely see MPJ being that type of MVP player if he pans out. He stays healthy. And to me, that's today, like that contract, that's a big step for an organization to have faith in a guy like MPJ with his previous history, his medical history and stuff. But you can't give up on a guy that's like still young and seven foot, like just, you know, just hungry as well, right? So I think MPJ will win an MVP over SGA. Um, in, in, in in the respective career. And I think it's it goes with the same question of investing. I think you're going to have a lot more risk with MPJ, but a lot more reward with MPJ. It's going to be a lot safer with SGA for, for long-term, but I think yeah. in terms of if you want that volatility, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just for my man, Will. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Um, yeah, I think
2: you guys saw my answer, but... <laughs> the, you know, when you look back at the the draft, they both came out of the same draft. mpJ was uh, injured in his final year of college. So people had to sort of kind of blindly draft him. I think if he had played that year, there was a, you know, there a good chance that he would be drafted a lot a lot higher. Um, <clears throat> I think it's easy to say that mpJ, at both of their potentials and both of their uh, skill sets, MPJ has the higher ceiling. But I, I'm gonna—I have to stick with my man SGA here. Like it's—I think it's Shea Gilgis, and I think he is still as popular as he is. Um, even Hyung saying the word vanilla, I think that really shows the market still underrates SGA. I think he very, very much mm-hmm. falls under the radar. I think his style of game. Uh, he's super slick. Uh, he commands the ball. I think when you look at the two players and how they command the ball and their presence on the court, uh, I think it's no question Shea just over MPJ. MPJ is like a natural scorer. He's got that like natural ability, but in terms of that confidence, swagger, um, you know, I see it big time in SGA. And I I'll even go as far as to say, as you know, like when you look back in a number of in, in like ten years. You could even say like SGA over Trey Young, that's a hot take too. But <laughs> yeah. like I really believe that much that people are really underrating, like how good SGA could become. So this one's easy for me. It's SGA MVP.
0: Okay, how about if SGA was an American?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, there's no question that there's a bit of a MPJ. Canadian. <laughs> Canadian bias, and or if MPJ was a uh, was a Canadian, um, but even like you know now that I've got to to really study both guys because I I own I own both rookie cards and I own like pretty good number of rookie cards. So I'm invested in both, and I believe in both uh, as as both short term and long term plays. But now that I've I've watched both, I just I think I think SGA is supremely like you know. Undervalued and you know, like slightly disrespected amongst the, the rookie class, and I think everybody just see, sees MPJ as just sky high rocket potential. But people are sleeping on Shea Gilgis, in my
0: opinion. You know what? I agree with you that people are sleeping on SGA. Like, I I, I also had both the rookie cards. Um, funny enough, I sold both of them because I kind of got scared off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, am I gonna make a good return as? a better return than it is now. So, but I'm looking to get back in and if I'm going to get back in, I'm going back with MPJ cuz um Uh-oh. just like uh Hyung mentioned, definitely high risk, but uh, it's high reward as well. And you know, with the Nuggets team, they can win a We're championship. We're talking MVP,
1: MVP. <laughs> that's a high standard. It's I don't I just standard, don't think man. SGA can get there. Like sure. that type, that's that's asking for a lot. It is. You need the ceiling type <laughs> it player. Is. You need the ceiling type player.
0: And, you know, like, I've heard comparisons of MPJ with KD. Like, just with his, like, height and right. the abilities that he has. Right. Like, of course, he doesn't compare to KD right now. But with, like, you know, a little more experience, uh, using his height, using his agility, using his speed and his ball handling, if he could put it all together over the course of the next few years, like, he could get up there and, and uh, yeah, be at the MVP status, MVP level. So... So MPJ for me. (laughs) Nice. All right, great show, guys. I think that's, I think, yeah, that's a great place to wrap. Thanks again to all our listeners and subscribers. If it's your first time listening you haven't subscribed yet, we appreciate if you did. So you can join us every Tuesday with a brand new episode. So until next week then, take care, everyone. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at fivecardguys or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards or John at Trade You at Recess. You can also check us out at fivecardguys.com. Thanks again and hope to connect soon.